0: that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. By law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. Seven years in Can I ask you a question? Yeah, here the we go.
0: Go on. Do you like yeah. oatmeal? <laughs> Do you like it? Let me guess. You've got a a bowl of oatmeal sitting right there. Yeah, dude. I cooked this bowl of oatmeal specifically for you. What's it sound like? Give everybody at home a taste. A taste of my oatmeal.
2: Let it rip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny, Alex, because, you know, the cool thing about food, when you put it in your mouth, Mm and you just... Mm, swirl it around in there we really gotta lean into the (laughs) the flavors (laughs) can i tell you something's fucked up speaking of Mm flavors, so i've been watching this crazy fucking uh youtube channel called townsend and it is uh, this dude who like does cooking from like the 18th century so he's talking about like soldiers food and shit like that let me tell you something about how people ate in the 18th century if i as a black man ever went in a time travel machine and went back to the 18th century i'm bringing fucking hot sauce because those fuckers did not know how to fucking season their food. They had three seasons. They had nutmeg, they had
0: salt, and they had eggs. And that's, that's, yeah, (laughs) if they wanted anything else, they had to send an expedition of 400 people across the world. Like, several people died on the way. Like, families came and went. Yeah. Uh, And then they came back with, like, silk and thyme.
2: Silk and thyme and fucking nutmeg. So I eat this wonderfully seasoned oatmeal today in honor of those fuckers. And you know what that means? What does that mean? Well, those fuckers were white, so we solved the race problem. Good for you.
0: Little justice. Little justice. Little justice.
2: Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this fucked up thing we do, Little Justice, where we analyze our favorite movies. Maybe not yours, but they're certainly ours. Uh, I am Nick Walker. I'm Alex Smolo. And today we have a special, special guest. This is this is basically, y'all, this is basically my sister. We go back way, way long. So long that, in fact, she probably shouldn't even be here because she, she knows cuz you know where the bodies are buried.
1: Don't implicate me in your murders. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> you are not only implicated, you are part of like you're in, like you're already in. Do you know what you I mean? You
1: could have gone the really nice route of this, which is the story that I tell, which is that our parents knew each other growing up. So in all likelihood, we met when we were in strollers.
0: Like, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Just around yeah. Boston.
2: Yeah, that's a really nice story. Clearly, you haven't listened to this podcast, because that's not what we do
1: here. <laughs> he it's not how we operate. This bodies. is a nice,
0: nice little fairy tale.
2: Yeah, this is a really wonderful fucking, you know, Hans, Ann, Christian Andersen fucking story. But this is Jess Nurse. She's, she's an amazing, if you want me to be real, she's an amazing actor, uh, filmmaker living out in L.A. Uh, we grew up together, went to college together. She's good, good people. We're so happy to have you on the pod, Jess.
0: Welcome.
1: Thanks, for having me. I also oh, want to yeah. say that I love Alex too. Me and Alex have been friends through you for many years We've now. We've been
0: friends for many years. Yeah. Uh, I mean I mean beyond Nick. Nick only introduced us and then our friendship just took off from there. Exactly. I love Matt, Nick behind, you know? Yeah. You As we should behind.
1: do. As we should do. As we should.
0: When when was the last time we saw you? I think the last time I saw you was Disneyland. Disneyland.
1: Oh, was Disneyland Disney. was so fun. Oh what
0: a day. What Wait, a day that was.
1: Can I talk about this? I don't know what the rules are in this podcast. You talk about oh, there
0: are no yeah. rules.
1: Disneyland was ruined for me by Nick Walker. I can never I go back because we just got the most VIP experience of Disneyland. I, unbelievable. Unfathomable. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was, it was pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. We, uh, we did, we, there was a little bit of a flex and we did, we enjoyed the flex but it really, here's the thing. Truthfully, wasn't the flex wasn't on me. It was fucking AJ. AJ, AJ shout out AJ. AJ.
1: Dude, if AJ's listening, you're the best.
2: Yeah. AJ, we fucking love you on this podcast and we're trying to spread your legend to everyone. Um, AJ, if you guys don't know, has been working for the Disney company for so many years. And, uh, at that point he was stage manager of events, I believe of attractions uh, at Disney California Adventure, and he just hooked it up for all of us, and it was pretty special. That was just a special day with AJ.
1: I still yeah. follow AJ on Instagram because he's that cool of a dude.
0: Oh, yeah. I, s- I still talk to him. We oh, yeah. text no, we each te- other. Yeah, we're texting all, yeah,
1: You guys text AJ? Yeah.
0: AJ's a good friend. Dude,
1: yeah. I got to get friend. on
2: that. AJ flew. He, after after that Disneyland, AJ flew out to Vegas to come see the tour. He, what? He and, his, he and his wife and his family. Yeah he and his wife and his family came to see Hamilton and I took him backstage. It was like, I mean, he's just like such a, like literally, you know, there's so many good people that work at Disney. AJ is like the, the epitome of like the perfect cast member at Disney. Like he just is someone who just is so kind and open hearted. And like, I cannot speak enough good things about him. Yeah. Um, we'll bring him on. Yeah. He's got, a, he's he got to. He's got to come
0: on. He has to come on. <laughs> we'll yeah. do best DreamWorks movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Please. Oh,
1: I'm jealous. Best Dreamworks. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you should be. You should be. But uh but
2: no, right now we have Jess on and Jess is just is absolutely amazing. How's your quarantine going? We are still recording this from quarantine. How's how's how how you living out there?
1: My quarantine's going well. Thankfully I've got like projects to do and things that I've kind of created that give routine to my week and to my friends and for myself. But, you know, it's tough. It's really tough not being around people and I feel like I'm very proud of myself because I'm genuinely living in a 300-square-foot studio. It's just me. I haven't Oof. had the physical touch of another person for two months. Wow. And yeah, it's like a surreal thing and you really have to be a good friend to yourself during this time. But I think I am. Yeah,
0: I think that's what a lot of people are learning. You know, there's, If there's a silver lining to it all, it's that people are, are appreciating how to be with themselves in like a world where you, you can never really disconnect from everything else. Like everyone's having to reckon with, you know, themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone's learning a lot. Some people are not learning a lot. Some people are turning that energy on its head. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but hopefully, you know, if people are
2: listening to this in a post quarantine world, I'm hoping that whatever that world is, is, is a place where, yeah, you have had the time to do that reflection and you have Come up with, I mean, you come up with amazing things. Talk about your uh, your script reading group that you do.
1: Mick, I'm so surprised you're bringing this up because you make fun of me for it every time. But I, mean, I, you know, I know, make fun of her.
2: <laughs> yes. Now, here's the thing you have to understand this. Uh, if I'm not making fun of you, that's the problem. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That's you, and know I, what? I, you should you should know that by now.
1: <laughs> I have learned that over the years. That's very true. Um, I do a script reading thing, so I I'm a writer as well as an actor out here. I'm working on a second pilot script. Uh, I have one comedy pilot script. I'm trying to do another, and I wanted to just kind of like verse myself in the world of comedy pilots, and so I asked a couple of. Talented friends of mine, if they would be down to read a a pilot script of a comedy every single week for quarantine and everybody jumped on board and lended their time. And so we've been doing it. It started out every Thursday. Now we're every Friday. So we read a script. We have like a brief intermission if anybody has to leave. And then we talk about what made it a successful pilot. What are the elements of character? What are the elements of theme? And just kind of dissect it almost like it's a film class. and it's been amazing. We've done some great ones. I'm excited for more. We're trying to do a variety. We're trying to really um, get into it. So thanks to everybody. Yeah. If anybody's listening, thanks for being a part of it. But yeah, for now, it's it's just kind of an education.
0: Cool. That sounds amazing. That's, it sounds like you're using your time well.
1: Trying to.
2: Well, super well. And that's, I mean, and straight up Jess, so Jess, you know, this is kind of why I invited you on the pod because I think that what a lot of what you have been doing naturally is what we do here, right? We, I mean, you guys are very, you know, studied intelligent people and we pull shit out of our asses, but I think both of (laughs) us try to analyze these movies and just, you know, just learn, yeah, what, what makes them tick, what makes them work, what things we like, what Mm -hmm. things we Personally, don't like about about things that they've done, but I I just when you know we have a movie analysis podcast, it just was like oh yeah, Jess would actually be really good at that. Like that's that's actually that's up your wheel up your up your wheelhouse anyway. Up, up your wheelhouse is not
1: a phrase. Not sound
0: right.
1: Dude, it's in your wheelhouse. Like no, 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 no. no. I I need to correct this. It's in your oh wheelhouse or it's up your alley, but it's not up your wheelhouse.
2: Let me tell you something right now. Two, you thousand fucked up. Two, <laughs> two thousand years ago two yeah. thousand years ago the the amount of swear words and cuss words and are and you talking about
1: oatmeal again are you just trying to bring up oatmeal again what are you talking about
2: <laughs> i'm saying that language is invented it's not set
0: i could just have invented a fucking phrase called up your wheelhouse your language is a crime <laughs> a crime against
1: such a against good humanity. segue, Alex. Such a good. I've been segue. trying to figure. I've
0: been trying to figure out how we can <laughs> talk about you how we can segue into cri- I was like, oh, like you're using your time well, Alex. Uh, as and- opposed to the people who are not because they're committing crimes. Nice. And now here we, are. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Alex, you need to edit in. And I found like, it.
2: Edit in like a fucking like a like a like a buzzer or like a ding
0: ding ding when you do that. <laughs> your language is a crime. Bam. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you said the word of the day.
1: <laughs> prime. I've only um, watched one uh, uh, episode yeah. of, or listened wanna, to one episode of this, but I, I already know that Alex is the MVP of, <laughs> of this podcast.
2: No, the, <laughs> no, absolutely. Because here's the thing, straight up. So everybody that Thank I, you. everybody I send this podcast to, like, is shocked at how cleanly this thing is edited. And I am fully aware that without Alex's skills, this thing would fall apart. Like, it would just be a fucking mess.
0: It like, would be a mess. It would be a mess. Alex does. And I, I I, really do love the total control that I have. It really Because, over, over over oh like, I really don't need to include that. I could just cut you out. I could literally. We're recording all three <laughs> of these tracks separately. I could just. It could just be me, the me and Jess show. Oh, I love
1: it. <laughs> you know
0: what that would be, though? That would be a crime. Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's, that's all there is to it. Shut up. Shut up! Shut up!
2: Shut up! Shut up! So, if you couldn't, if you haven't guessed, today's fucking topic is crime movies. <laughs> Alex fucking tries to you know, hamfist his way into a fucking transition. <laughs> We're talking about crime movies today, um, which is some of my favorite movies. I fuck, I love a good crime movie, I, and to 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 an extent that like. I think concerns my wife, concerns like my friends. I will absolutely like be seen at like all hours of the morning watching movies that like most people cannot stomach until maybe eight or nine PM. They do not give me anxiety. I I fucking love it. If it's got like people running down a street chasing after each other with guns, and it's a movie, not real life, where you know, black men get shot every day. Ha ha. Um, you know, I am in it. That got dark. That got really dark. Edit that out. That got dark. Or don't. Or don't, but I'm pissed
0: today, but that's a whole other story. But um, I feel like you consider yourself on some level, like on some like theater dude level, oh, yeah, a criminal. Talk. You love to just, all the stuff you write
2: yeah. and the way that
0: you, you approach things, I feel like, but you, you're like a criminal who would never do a crime. Can I tell you, I looked at a journal and Jess is
2: going to get a fucking kick out of this. And I she's going to fuck. In fact, I'm so sad that I'm talking about this because she's going to roast the shit out of me after I talk about this. I found a journal from when I was 13 years old. Here we go, and I literally wanted to be like the class clown and/or bad boy of, of Broadway. That was like my fucking dream.
1: You wrote those words. I would. I would like to be the class clown of Broadway. <laughs>
2: It was like, it was like, those are two very different things. It was like a poem that I, basically it was just like, I just, I just wanted to be in, but like, it was like this poem that I wrote. It was like this weird love hate relationship that I have with like theater. It was, and I remember this as a 13 year old and this is a tangent, but every time that like, you know, people would like fandom around something, I would automatically hate on it. It was this thing of like, anytime that like you were part of a group of something like theater kids, like being called a theater kid, it was like fuck that I do theater but like I'm not I am I'm not part of theater I'm like I do it because I choose to so this weird fucking psychological thing that sounds like you were a hipster I mean as much as you can be a hipster in fucking Brookline Massachusetts which is actually a lot Jess can you be a hipster in Brookline Massachusetts
1: um oh you're asking me
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're still here we're still doing a podcast there is a podcast happening we're not just
1: (laughs) no 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 it was a very it felt very you and alex um uh but yes this makes sense because i grew up close to brookline of course you're asking me um (laughs) god damn it uh no not really you can't be a hipster in brookline
0: can you be um the bad boy of theater in brooklyn
1: <laughs> nick if if you could be nick was
0: can and, you angrily and- scrawl poetry backstage <laughs> yeah, it's yes not how you nick- want to be the, the bad boy
1: Nick was a slam poet for all the years that I've known him. Um, And uh, I I witnessed that and I was subject to that. (laughs) 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 This all makes sense because there was a part of him that really wanted to make theater like gritty and edgy and like, the ways in which he did that were not particularly gritty or edgy, but they. But I could. But I could see the thought behind it. Like I could see.
2: This is the perfect. This is the perfect example of myself at that time. I went to the school dances specifically to sit in the corner. Like That's I would go there you. and put on what? a hoodie and sit in the corner and write poetry. Did you wear a scarf in the summertime? Absolutely, I did not. But I wore a fucking newsies cap. You know what it sounds like? What. A crime against fashion. A winner. Stop doing that. God damn it, Alex!
0: You you are going to ruin this. I'm really trying to. We're back off topic again. I'm really trying to write it. In here. That's what I love. But okay, so game.
2: I love crime movies. I love crime movies. You son of a bitch, Alex. Do you love crime movies? Are we back? On I topic do love free? crime movies.
0: I do. I do. This, this yeah. one. It, it's. It's both like the the easiest and hardest topic to to come up with something for because it like, more than anything we've done, I think it has the most obvious choices. It has them like like there are movies that like it's it's hard to say there is no best one.
2: No, it, there really isn't. There's fa- you can
0: have your favorites, but there's not a best because they're all so different. Yeah, and like crime in and of itself is pretty self explanatory. It's it's not deep until you really start considering it. Yeah, and what makes a good crime movie and and what I found while I was kind of going through every movie trying to figure out what makes a good crime movie i realized to me it's not so much about crime right where it uses criminals and crime as the subject matter um it's a movie about what like what are the consequences of crime personally it's like to a person when when somebody decides to commit a crime when somebody decides to go against the law go against uh morality you know when it's about that decision and the consequences of that decision, I think, make, make the best one.
2: Absolutely. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking through them and like looking at like something like, for instance, White Heat with James Cagney, right? The thing that we remember is not the crime that he committed. The thing that we remember it is... <laughs> you remember more about the character of a crime film than you do about the crime itself. The crime is is merely of, of to me... The, my favorite crime movies are when the crime is merely a vehicle to examine character.
0: N- not to discount movies that are about the crime. There are so many very, very good yes. movies that are all about the kind of twists and turns. You know, all the heist movies and yes. and big action movies and shootouts and and you know, Scarface stuff like that. Um, where it's it it's fun to watch that stuff, right? You want to watch people break the rules. Um, if you are getting into like what what is like the quintessential crime movie, though. Yep. I don't know, J- Jess. What's your perspective on this?
1: Okay, so my initial response was, "Why did they pick this topic for me?" But after I got, that,
0: it- you <laughs> it. I did. You seemed very yeah, I- sure. He's like, "Oh, I was thinking we definitely do crime movies." Yeah, it's like I was. Oh, there thinking- must be something about Jess. I don't know.
1: No, crime is not a genre of movie that I know as well. But I do think that what you were saying, Alex, is really true that it is about the humanity that is attached to the crime. And it is the consequence of it. And it's what is it that pushes someone to commit a crime? What is it that they have to wrestle with after the crime? And whether that's singular, or whether that's that they've kind of like built a life around criminal behavior or criminal connections. Like um, it is really interesting to see like why someone goes into that and why uh, and what is, I feel like there's always a catalyst within um, crime movies. It's always the moment where you've gone too far or that you, have you've uh, gone to a place where your humanity is in question because of your participation in this thing. So I think that the best crime movies for me are kind of about that what is the humanity behind crime and what are what is what is our sense of the line like what is going too far
0: god there's so many there's so many ways to go with it
2: yeah so just the way that we do this uh, you know and for those of you playing at home alex will tell us the first couple of you know images scenes of the movie and then we will try to guess as quickly as we can what movie he's talking about and we'll see you know
0: i i don't i'm very well might not know what the fuck he's talking about because I never do, really. You might not. This is one, if you haven't seen it, and I think a lot of people haven't, you should. And there's no reason that people should have missed it, but I know a lot of people haven't seen it. My initial go-to, and the, the movie I watched originally for this, in thinking about, you know, what are the consequences of crime, like how do people coping with this stuff and, and making decisions about what to do about it, uh, my initial reaction was to go to Mystic River.
2: Mm, um, that's I great. think it was a really kind of potent example.
0: I love looking at normal people in abnormal circumstances and dealing with that pressure. I realized after watching, watching Mystic River all the way through that there is a movie that does what Mystic River does better. I think I've, I've seen it two or three times. So I watched back through, you know, I kind of skimmed through it just to make sure I got the plot points right. But we open on slow fade in on, on the forest Mm -hmm. and there's a deer in the distance. Oh father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A doe, eating, standing still. The further we pan out, zoom out, you see the barrel of a rifle pointed at the deer. You come back in between two men, hooded, you can't see who they are. Prayer finishes, beat, It turns out to be a father son. They're going hunting together. They drive home, back to the family. Uh, they're friends with another family celebrating the holidays together. There's a young daughter. Everybody's happy. It's it's it sets up, you know, normal street, any town in America. Is this is this? Um, it,
2: let me just ask you a question. Is this a
0: a period film? This is not. No modern oh, okay. day. Modern day. Uh the the man is Hugh Jackman, who you might know. From the Wolverine, he he and his best friend Terrence Howard spending the holidays yep. together. Um, Prisoners, kids all playing together. Yep. Okay, and then there it is. This, see, you always do this, Nick. Where, you, as soon as you know it, you just call it out because that's the point. We're it's a fucking.
1: Thing. I. gotta find that.
0: You gotta find that, gotta find that beat, dog. This what, is, Jess, what this movie is, is
2: this, is, this? Is actually so that, a, it's an
0: incredible film that you need to see i'll shut up but Alice, it's yeah. it's an it's an incredible film yeah. so so basically the premise is uh, the movie is is prisoners uh by and i'll, I'll never get the denise Villeneuve. yeah
1: like, i have seen Villeneuve. this movie yeah.
0: uh, exactly it, it's like it's not in anybody's like front of brain but it is so good it's so prisoners
1: good. is an excellent choice it's so fantastic
0: i'm gonna find your daughter
2: We believe that they came back here after they left you at the Birches yesterday. They were looking for Anna's red whistle. Right. I read your statement. Detective Loki, I'm heading up the investigation into your daughter's disappearance. Please sit down. Uh, uh, m- m- my son already told you that the guy was inside the RV, just watching him. Right? We haven't found any physical evidence inside the RV or his aunt's house where he lives. Nothing. Alex Jones, unfortunately, has the IQ of a 10-year-old. There's no way that someone with the IQ of a 10-year-old could abduct two girls in broad daylight and then somehow make them disappear.
0: Basically, Hugh Jackman's daughter uh, gets kidnapped. And it's about what he... Uh, the two girls get kidnapped. Both he and Tara Tower's daughter together um, get kidnapped and it's about the lengths that Hugh Jackman goes to and the detective following the case and how they intersect and what he does and like it just gets more and more desperate as it goes and it gets you know consequences pile up on each other. It's a dark movie, it's an uncomfortable movie, but it is in, in terms of what it means to break the law to get what you want in terms of what it means to to do something about what you think needs to be done versus what you know organized civilized society says should be done
1: yeah
0: it's it's potent man it's potent
2: the the, uh it the the movie to me was like i you know it was it was i mean yeah it's it's super uncomfortable um but it did two things for me this movie was like the first time outside like because this was right before logan this was the first not right before this a couple years before logan but the first time when i was like oh hugh jackman's like act like he i mean we all know hugh jackman's fucking talented but, like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Hugh Jackman came strong. Uh, the, the scene when he's torturing Paul Dano in the bathroom.
1: Look, you said they cried when
2: you left them. You said they cried when you left them. <laughs>
1: now tell me! Where is he? Hmm? hmm?
2: Tell me where they are. So I was like, oh, okay, you're you're playing you're playing for keeps. And then the other thing that this movie did for me on the acting side of things was make me a fucking Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I I was like, oh yeah, again, somebody who's just here to here to work. And that, I mean and you surround them with the fucking best actor, like I said, Paul Dano, Viola Davis. Yeah, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. And such a well done movie.
0: And that's why I feel like I, I kind of compared it <clears throat> to Mystic River and I realized it, it takes a lot of notes from Mystic River. Um the opening shot, there, there's Which a shot in Mystic seen. River.
1: By the way, I've never seen. You you got to
0: see it. Oh, yes, yeah. Which is also, you know, it, it. In the beginning, a boy gets kidnapped, and then later, a guy's a guy's daughter gets murdered, and it's about trying to solve the murder of the daughter. Um, but there's a shot in the beginning of Mystic River where these three boys are playing out on the street and these two guys pull up pretending to be detectives and they basically take one of the kids and they say, we're going to drive you home, get in the car like they were drawing on the sidewalk or something and they put him in the car and you get this shot from between the two boys' shoulders and you're watching their friend in the car drive away and he's turned back looking through the the back window and they repeat that same shot with the same character grown up later in the movie. It's super subtle um, as he's going off to die. Because they, they think that he's wow. the one who murder, murdered the daughter. And these two thugs pick him up and they put him in the car. Does he get in the car? Put him in the car. And it's the same exact shot where he's driving off and he turns around and looks. And you realize like, oh, like last time this happened to him, it ruined his life. Like he's obvious, like it it's, foreshad- it's the best foreshadowing. And then the opening shot of Prisoners where you're you're starting in on this this innocent creature in the woods. And these two guys just honed in, focused on it, ready to kill it. Just sets it sets up the tone without being without being obvious and like it's artful.
1: Yeah, I'm always so impressed when directors are able to bring images full circle. Um, I'm just such a huge fan of uh, film video essays, and I think there's one about first shot last shot of various films. But it is it really sets up where you're at tonally with these characters, what thematically you're going to be exploring, like. Yeah. It and I is, think it gives
0: you a confidence early on too that the director knows what he's doing like like yeah. if you want to dig while you're watching it it's there to be to be dug
1: at. Yeah. Prisoners is such a good example. Jake Gyllenhaal is is so good in that. Was that before Nightcrawler or after Nightcrawler?
0: I think that was, was before, before Nightcrawler I think yeah. yeah. But see Nightcrawler yeah. if you haven't that's Jake Gyllenhaal's Travis Bickle <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And Zodiac
1: and and I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal and
0: crime. Oh man, Jake John Hall just knows crime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's drawn to it. Alex, do you feel it. do you feel for you is this like the best example of crime for you, or is this your what you're drawn to?
0: In thinking about what makes a good crime film, I think mm-hmm. that this this presents those elements. This digs in just the right way. This yeah. is asking the questions that I want to see in a movie about people committing crimes and dealing with crimes. You know, I like the shoot 'em up gangster movies. I like, you know, hardcore murder mysteries, whatever, um, which this one kinda is. Uh but this this one, you know, to me, to me, crime is about normal people. You know, it's about the lengths that people will go to and what matters, you know. The crime of passion is such a common term because that's how these things happen is because of People get pulled in a certain direction. They kind of do things almost against their better judgment, and to to see that examined and then see the consequences of it, um, and presented in a way that you know, cinematically, the shots are amazing and the the colors are amazing and the performances are amazing. You know, everything together, it's it gets me thinking the most about mm-hmm. about it all. So, yes, I agree. All right, agree with everything. Being... All right, Nick, S- set us up, and then as soon as I have it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut in and yell over you. I'm so excited for that. I'm so
2: excited for you to yell at me. And Jess, feel free to do the same. We open, um, as we often do with this director, in nighttime in your city, L.A., both of your cities. We open on a train, a train that is pulling into a station. Man gets off, dressed as an EMT, wanders down the subway steps, goes into a hospital, kind of looking around at things, you know, you get the sense that even if this guy is actually an EMT, something's up with him. But nothing nothing happens. He just wanders through the hospital, kind of looking around, and then goes out the back. You know, gets into what we assume is an ambulance. We then cut to uh, a young, good-looking man. Blonde man walking up the steps of a, of a I think it's like a, a lumberyard. And he uh, has sunglasses on. He's kind of this cool looking young man. You know, Maybe he's like a you know hot construction worker or some shit. Shows his ID to the guy. Guy looks him over. He's like, cool. Grabs the lumber for him. The lumber order. And he walks out. And that's it. Cut to a third man in bed making love to a woman. We don't know if it's his wife or not. Um, she gets in the shower. She Or no, she doesn't get in the shower. She, she makes a cigarette or lights a cigarette. She asks him if he's going to stay for breakfast. He says, I can't. I don't have time. Kind of giving her these smart-ass answers. It is Ryan
0: here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo -er, a hand clapper, a high fiver? Yeah, how are you not getting this? This is very shocking. This is I like, told, you I'm bad at, I've told you I'm bad at this. My brain starts going off in different directions. Well, would it help if I told you that
2: the man kind of in a rush to get out the house to go to work is Al Pacino, and the man who we first saw as the EMT is Robert De Niro, and the blonde man picking up lumber at the lumber yard is Val Kilmer, and this movie is... Yes, it would. Of yeah. co- is, of course, Michael... is I, Heat. Heat. Michael Mann, Heat. Seven years in full in the hole for three. McNeil before that. McNeil is tough, as they say. You looking to become a penologist? You looking to go back? You know, I chased down some crews. Guys just looking to fuck up, get busted back at you. You must have worked some dipshit crews. I worked all kinds.
1: You see me doing thrill-seeker liquor hold up. Sort of Born to Lose tattoo on my chest?
2: No, I do not. Right,
0: I am never going back. So it's been never so long since I've seen Heat. I can't. I can't even recall all those opening scenes, Jess. It's so, Jess. You. You.
2: I mean, here's the thing. I know that like. You know, so much of this, so much of what's great about this podcast is that we can kind of like expand our mind on movies. Like, I, there's so many movies that I truly, as much as I call myself a movie buff, I do not know. And like, I Mm. want to watch them. Obviously, you know so much about movies. If you were ever down to expand your mind on crime films and movies in general, watch this fucking movie. I mean, I've
1: heard wonderful things about it. Yeah, I've just never, it's never.
2: Come up. Well, it's so interesting because it's it's one of those. You know, I I find that like Michael Mann, he has such a specific style, and it's it hasn't it really has not changed in like thirty years. Like he's really making aesthetically a lot like a lot of the same like they, the the choices have grown, but like he's based it in a yeah. very specific style, and that's a very like neo La noir style like that's that's kind of how i best describe what he does but it's so good and he is you know what he is great at is establishing character so quickly and i Jess, i want to get to your your choice but i will say this about this movie really quickly what why it's my favorite or one of my favorites so you know this movie is kind of that perfect mix of um the human story comes before the crime this is a perfect mix of crime and human story we are interested in what they do because there's a lot of intrigue to it the way he sets it up it reveals itself. So we are constantly asking for more on what these guys do. The other smart thing that he does, and this is where the human story comes in, this is kind of the movie that the precursor, like Christopher Nolan talks about how this was a major influence on the Dark Knight. And watching it, you see it just because it's so
1: interesting because your first few moments of like the guy who's sneaking into the hospital and maybe maybe it totally sounds like Dark Knight.
2: It's if you watch this and then watch the Dark Knight, you're like, Oh, he ripped that completely (laughs) from the dark. Like it's, it's, it is. (laughs) But what's, I think what's brilliant about heat, you know, what it does that I think, I think no one also took was it really is the first, it's one of the first movies I remember to like truly try to blur the line between good guy and bad guy. Um, because the whole, I think what's what's wonderful about the way that these pe- that these characters are set up, the first thing you see of Robert De Niro, who's your criminal, is him in an EMT worker's outfit. The first thing you see of Val Kilmer, who's a criminal, of hi- is him going to a lumberyard. These are very like working person jobs. The first thing you see of Al Pacino, who is the cop and supposed to be your quote unquote hero, is him in bed, with like a beautiful, beautiful mistress who he then like abandons and like, is just like being a smart ass too. He's a smart ass to his everybody, you know, all the cops on his team. Meanwhile, Robert De Niro is like treating everybody with respect. It's like, do your job. And we just get this done. He's not trying to kill anybody. In fact, like the opening sequence for them, you know, they kind of have a new hire in their crew and he goes all, you know, he, he's obviously like, you know, the, the cocky hothead and like decides to shoot a fucking guard because he can. And then later that night, after they split the money, Robert De Niro like tries to take him out back and like fucking kill him. Cause he's like, that's not the rules of this thing. What the fuck you doing, The way that it's just subtly set up, that the criminals in this story are actually the people of honor and discipline. And the cops are like these you know, smug kind of know-it-all whatever is like the way they like the way that they talk about the dead bodies when they first come to the crime scene is like so like just so disrespectful to like the fact that like three men just died. You know what I mean? Recognize the M.O. M.O. is that they're good. Once it escalated into a murder one B for all of them after they killed the first two guards, they didn't hesitate. Pop guard number three, because what difference does it make? Why leave a living witness? Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. And it's, it's just this really wonderful, subtle examination. And, this, and, and again, you get the cat and mouse where very much like the Dark Knight, Al Pacino catches wind of Robert De Niro and it's this chase with these two men. And they finally, you know, very similar to the interrogation scene from, from Dark Knight with Joker and Batman, they have this one, the only, their only scene together is in a diner um where they finally like it's it's they see each other on the road and they just decide to pull off and like have like a heart to heart because it's like you know what we've been chasing each other like i know you exist now you know i exist now let's cut the bullshit
0: i do what i do best
1: i take scores you do what you do best trying to stop guys like me
2: so you never wanted a regular type
1: life the fuck is that barbecues and ball games What is that? Because that is such a trope, which is the criminal and the detective or the person who's searching for him or hunting him down, like the mutual respect or kind of the like the weighing of integrity around what uh, what they do. Like, I I do feel like I
2: mean, just what I would say to you, I, I mean, to correct me if I'm wrong it's it's if we're if we're matching this up to the hero's journey that's the midway turn right this Mm -hmm. is this is the this is the point where all of a sudden right you know this is this is the extra complication right at the the beginning of the story you have two men just trying to do their job and now they've hit enough obstacles from each other that they recognize that that's who is in the way of my job so they come together Mm -hmm. and they say you know this is kind of the this is the this is the moment where it's like shit or get off the pot it's like look I will keep doing this and I don't want to have to hurt you. But if you stay, if if I wake up and you're in my way, you're going down. And Mm -hmm. I mean, and the way that they write that scene specifically is so in in heat is like, the, the wording is beautiful beautiful and i wish i had it at my in fact um give me alex say what you're gonna say and then i'll I'll pull this up because it's
0: yeah well i i think i think what that moment is is the parallel right is and and it gets it gets back to like what crime is and the basis for morality in all of it Mm -hmm. usually it's a meeting of two people who are very principled about what they do and about what's important to, to in those situations you the cop like the good the good guy force usually has his own demons right he's struggling in his yeah. marriage he's struggling with alcoholism he's something he's got some kind of thing on his shoulder or or you know a death in his past that drives him to try to solve all the deaths mm-hmm. to try to make up for it clashing with this guy who's who's more uh resolved Clash with somebody who's breaking the rules, but is maybe a solution that the, that is not available to the to the good guy, and it's it's kind of two powerhouse things that that come up against each other.
2: And Jess, it also goes back to again talking about crime as the vehicle for a human story. the The story of this movie is actually not about crime. It's a, it's it is literally about heat. It is about the what when you are under pressure, and this is the line.
1: Guy told me one time don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner.
2: That's the point of the movie. The point of the movie is these guys who are so committed to their to their objective. And all the stuff in their world, what are they willing to to sacrifice? You know, what are they willing to do to get what they want? And and they meet each other because that is the one thing that is in their way and they do have a mutual respect, but it's like I will drop you. I will drop you if you get in my way you know, and that's, that's kind of their downfall. So yeah, I, 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 again, watch heat, fucking beautiful movie, beautiful movie, you know? That's great. Um, yeah. And like so Jess, us, I mean,
1: I'm just very uh, curious. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm that's just always, way. well, a great, a fun, like thing to do with friends is to ask them what their five favorite films are and then see if there's like, themes between those five films like if there's something that is true about all five of those films um uh and so i'm always curious like not just about like why people are drawn to films but like what it is what it is about you specifically that like went to heat do you feel like there's there there's a reason that you picked that over other things
2: duality i'm obsessed with duality I'm obsessed with two two people on the opposite sides of a coin is something that I just can, I think that started very young for me. I think, you know, I was, when I was a kid, I was, you know, like, if you go back to like Tom and Huck, right. Like the, I mean, even that, you know, even those two kids, are two people on the opposite sides of mischief. One can kind of be mischievous and get away with it. The other has real life consequences to his mischief, right? Because his father's a drunk and he's, he's, you know, he has to run away. And then it, like Jekyll and Hyde was a huge, like, you know, I loved that book. Even like Treasure Island with Jim Hawkins and and uh, Long John Silver, just characters pitted in, against, you know, against each other. Duality is something that I think all of my movies... Uh, if you were to ask me my top five,
0: it all comes down to duality. That's a huge one. for Nick, me. Nick, the promising dramatist versus Nick, the bad boy. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely! Nick,
2: Nick, the Nick, the kind, loving, gentle friend versus Nick, the you know the the wannabe asshole. I mean, yeah. if you really, you know, let's let's really get let's get Freudian with this shit. That makes a lot of sense. Now, shut up. Makes a lot of sense. Shut your fucking mouth, Jess. What is what? We are so interested to hear what you chose for this.
1: Well. I don't know if I don't know if I told you, so maybe let Alex guess. But
0: okay, I want to. Okay. I, went I stuck at this.
1: I want a different way. I I was my first inclination was to do No Country for Old Men, um, Good one. which is. But I do think that that is a little more of a western than it is. Like so much of yep. what mm-hmm. I love about it is what it draws, and and again, I have actually only. I only just recently saw it, and so I became obsessed with it right after I saw it. But I went, I went to like a very niche part of the crime genre. Love that, but I feel, but I feel good about my choice. Okay, so we open on. Uh, a chair in a prison, just an empty chair. In walks a prisoner. He sits down. He's in front of a parole board. Um, and the parole board is asking him questions uh, about uh, uh, whether he's ready to be released. And uh, and he answers those questions with a big old smile on his face. And, and it turns out that they do release him. So he walks. He he gets his... his Bag of his personal items, which includes a ring. Um, he toys with the wedding ring, whether or not to put it on, but he finally does. Um, and then we cut to the main titles. Uh, we we go. Uh, we see an escalator. Uh, our prisoner is now clean shaven and well dressed, and in a suit, and is going up the escalator. And he is in a casino. Um, I want to watch this movie
2: so bad. I want to watch it so bad right
1: now. <laughs> he sits. Uh, he sits at a, a blackjack table, um, and the the dealer the dealer um, is recognizes him, but but pretends not to. And the two of them have a conversation in which uh, in which covertly the dealer says that they should meet at a different bar um which they do and they come to reveal that they do know each other that they have worked together before and that our prisoner has a new a new thing in the works I think and that's what is it Jeff
0: Clooney's name
1: <laughs> Danny Ocean
0: <laughs> yes yes I was like oh we opened on a parole board like is it Shawshank Redemption but nope no. Options eleven. I love it. I love it.
2: God, I'm bored. You look bored.
0: I am bored.
2: So tell me. It's tricky. It's never been done before. So I need planning, a large crew, guns, exactly. A lot of security, but the take. What's the target? Eight figures each. What's the target? When was the last time you were in Vegas? Talk to me about the why did you why did you choose this one, Jess?
1: Here's why I don't gravitate to crime as often. I'm such an empath, and I feel like I take on like the the heaviness of any crime sure. film. Like I'm just shaken afterwards, and I'm just thinking about like their lives, their families. Like what have Maybe they? Don't done? watch
0: Prisoners then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Don't No. laughs> I saw Prisoners and had a whole thing around it, but. I think that this is one of my favorite films that is considered a crime film. And I do think that con man films are in the crime film category. It's a perfect con film for me. And it's the idea of what if we're looking at crime and we're rooting for the people involved and we're rooting for there to be no consequences. Like that's my favorite part about con films is that you're Mm. genuinely wanting the people to walk away scot-free and that the draw to it is kind of the fun and the intellect of what it is to do a crime well. Like what is it to pull off a heist? What is it to pull off a con? What is it to, to have a twist at the end that lets you know like, oh, they knew what they were doing the whole time which is in some ways antithesis to like the crime films that we've been talking about, which is like what makes those so good is that you get to the edge of, of the person's morality or you get to the big consequences or they really lose something. Like, I think it's really fun to look at crime from an, from an opposite way, which is what if the, the excitement the entire time is, are they going to pull it off? And what if the kind of, at the end is that they do.
0: Can can you talk a little bit about about what the film does? Because obviously like the writers have to position the characters in a way that make you root for them, which means making sure that the audience thinks that whoever's getting robbed deserves it. Yeah. So it kind of flips on to like yes, they're breaking the law, but like if if they were stealing from like a charity <laughs> It wouldn't yep. have the same effect, right? If it was actually bad, you have to make it think that they're they're in the right kind of doing what they're doing. So how, do, how does the film do that?
1: I mean, they do depict this casino owner, Terry Benedict, as the villain. Terry, meet my ex-husband. Danny Ocean.
2: Mr. Ocean? I'm in your seat. Forgive me for being late. I guess required my attention. That's fine.
1: They set it up in the beginning very well, which is that you have... Danny Ocean, you know, like that that scene, which I forgot until I rewatched this last night. You know, he's toying with his wedding ring the whole time, which really makes it so that you know this is about getting his ex wife back. And then they portray this relationship between um, uh, Julia Roberts and Andy Garcia's characters, uh, Tess and Terry Benedict, as being a bad relationship. It, it becomes a love story in some ways, which is that he really is trying to show her, his ex-wife, that this, you know, he has a line even in the middle that's like, anybody but him. Fine. You're, you're not, you don't want to be with me. I'll get over it. But anybody but this guy. And so we really see this person as being cold, as being manipulative. We set up that one of the Ocean's Eleven, I forget who Elliot Gould plays, what the character's name is, but he was um, he was kind of like betrayed by Terry Benedict's character like everything that he does is out of money and out of like richness and also it's the idea that. Oh, that
2: Ruben, sorry to cut you off. Ruben. Ruben. Ruben.
1: Yeah. 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 That he, that Ruben had a building and then he like did some sly deal and got him out of it. Um, that this is also a casino owner who takes the law into his own hands. If you go against him in any way, he's someone who has like, you know, uh, people who he will sick after you, that he will go after you in these kind of cruel and manipulative ways. So they do set up this character so that. You don't want him to win. Like, you don't want his casino to do well. But I think more than that, you fall in love with every single one of the 11.
0: You, you are in my, into me. You you in my face. You You got in my way. Me. I was trying to deliver my balloons. Gentlemen. <laughs> He's a
1: balloon boy. Like, you, you fall in love with their... Their characters, their mannerisms, their intricacies, their weirdnesses. Black
2: man can't earn a decent wage in this state. That is a absolutely cowboy like you gonna try to throw me sir. out on the I street. I am trying to do my job, yeah, sir. To do your job. What, what you want from me, man? You want me to get on the table and dance? Let me to shine your shoes, you want me to smile at you. But you definitely won't let me deal the cars. You might as well call it White Jack.
1: Don Cheeto in that movie is so fucking funny. You toss it. You had one job to do. And so they're, they definitely are doing both. They're setting up a villain that you want to fail and, but they're creating these characters that you want to win because you love them and you, Love that they each offer something so specific and so necessary for this insane plan to work.
2: What I love about everything you're saying, Jess, because it points to why I fucking love this movie. This movie figured out the special formula, which is like been it didn't figure it out, but they just kind of renewed it, which is like a time tested formula that was true when they originally made it with with Frank Sinatra and... Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. And even true when they expanded the kind of the oceans universe to oceans eight, which is if you have not seen it fucking hysterical and <laughs> is, is right up there with oceans 11, it's the idea that quite frankly, seeing really cool, smart people figure shit out is fun. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's the wet, it's the West wing formula. Just put them in a room with like smart people and like give them an obstacle and they have to figure it out. And we're just watching them think through the shit. It's really and just people- fun to like,
1: yeah, people who are expert in their particular field is always just so exciting. The first scene that we have with Brad Pitt and George Clooney's characters. In which George Clooney has kind of brought Brad Pitt into the fold. They're looking at these blueprints for the casinos, and and Danny is walking Rusty through the plan, and they start talking in all of these terms that obviously only criminals know, and they're speaking about it with such shorthand and such kind of uh, knowledge about it that you you don't have to know what they're fucking talking about. You're just like so in for their um, for them being like number one in their field. They truly know the ins and outs of this and their, their ability to kind of uh, do something wildly imaginative with their skill set. If I'm reading
2: this right, and I'd like to think that I am, this is probably the least accessible vault ever designed. Yep. You said three casinos? These feed into the cages at the Mirage, the MGM Grand, but every dime ends up there. Lagio, the Mirage. These are Terry Benedict's places. Yes, they are. You think you'll mind? Wonder somewhat. You'd need at least a dozen guys doing a combination of cons.
1: What do you think?
2: Well, off the top of my head, I'd say you're looking at it: a Bosky, a Jim Brown, uh, a Miss Daisy, two Jethros, and Leon Spinks. Not to mention the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. We watch it and we wish we're as cool as them to to have that kind of inside information. I, I always think of like yeah. the fact that Brad, you know, Brad Pitt continues his streak of just like eating something in every fucking scene, and just yeah. like and still looking still looking like a fucking Adonis. We we have a we have a, a theme on this podcast talking about how Brad Pitt is just you know gorgeous, uh, and and oh that is just God. another one of those films. It's just, it's just true. It's just like how how dare <laughs> you walk on eating like a fucking chili cheese dog. in your fucking
0: linen suit you son of a bitch like how fucking dare you get out of amazing incredible man amazing i mean i think i think what this movie boils down to what it does really well is is the way it layers motivations for all these characters because it brings in there's so many people um and they're doing a very singular thing right you're trying to steal money and one Mm -hmm. guy's trying to keep them from stealing his money but the reasons why they're doing what they're doing and the way it's that that's kind of the whole point right like the real drama like between between brad pitt and george clooney's characters come when they realize that clooney's trying to get revenge for something right and and saul saul saul's character is is revenge driven and the other guys like you know one of them's in debt and one of them's this and that and they all have their own it's all motivation for like why why even do this to begin with because it's not really about the money right it's about just succeeding in doing this.
1: That's that beautiful montage in the beginning is that they're like, who do we get on board for this? And they're talking through everyone and you're able to see a glimpse of their life and how, and also Ocean's 12 does this beautifully too, why it is that they need to get back in the game. Why is it that they need to do this thing? Separate from money, their life is not filled with like kind of like the purpose, the excitement, the thrill of functioning at their highest level, which is when they're committing this crime. Um, like, uh, Matt Damon's character is so fun because he plays this rookie, which is that he's been in the shadow of his dad, who is apparently a part of, of criminal activity. And George Clooney says, you know, Uh, they have that scene where they meet up in the bar after Matt Damon has lifted something and George Clooney lifts it back off of him
2: you're either in or you're out right now what is it it's a plane ticket a job offer you're pretty trusting pretty fast Bobby has a lot of faith in you fathers are like that oh he didn't tell you he didn't want me trading on his name You do this job, you'll be trading on yours.
1: Like right? in two sentences, they give this character every reason in the world to do this separate from, you know, a a cut of $150 million.
0: Oh, yeah. And 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 I think if you look across the genre at at crime movies in general, I think that that, uh, the motivation becomes the thing about each character, right? There is no crime without motivation for the crime. Like if people were just doing crime in a vacuum, just doing things because it, it wouldn't mean anything. It wouldn't feel right. You wouldn't really even care. You mm-hmm. need that. Why it's
2: also, and you know, just, uh, you know, definitely your writer brain noticed this. I think, I think crime movies are often where you find some of the best and most efficient writing for film because it's, it's the whole mm-hmm. thing is shorthand. That's the whole point of a crime movie is shorthand. So whether you're talking about heat or whether you're talking about oceans 11, uh, you know, I mean, certainly in prisoners, right through Jake Gyllenhaal's character, you're, you're talking about people who understand this aspect of society very well. And so they don't have any need to explain it to anyone. It's, it's they are just, the, mm-hmm. the sentences are very terse and very cool and very short. And and you're, you get a lot of rapid fire back and forth. Like it's really, so many crime movies are just well, and this comes from the noir genre, but it's just so well written. Chinatown, I mean, the fucking perfect example. Some of the best writing that's ever been put down to paper. Nick, I'm
0: surprised.
1: I have a frame on my wall, um, of a Chinatown, uh, a page out of the Chinatown script. And it's the, it's the scene where they're walking towards the, um, LA yep. river and he goes, it's to tell you the truth. I lied a little, yep. which is just like the, the ability for these people to just, um, I don't know, to be so smart with their words in such a succinct yeah. way. It's always, that i've loved about like the detective genre
0: alex what were you gonna say i was gonna say i'm i'm surprised that we got through an entire episode on crime movies i did this and on purpose one, it, i did this on the purpose one, it's the one <laughs> time that you did not bring up quentin tarantino
2: you bring him up you bring him up because <gasps> i didn't No, you're right. i mean I, I i purposefully did that but i think also this this points to the other part
1: I genuinely thought you. were No, I Nick. didn't.
2: I I wanted to hold off on this because I because because <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think I I I mean he da- if we're gonna break him down, he dabbles in crime movie, but I think I mean his his genre is westerns. All of his movies are westerns. Right. Even even his crime movies are westerns. Um, you know, so I think I think mm-hmm. that it's more about <clears throat> if you're talking about Quentin in, or not. I know the fucker, but if you're talking about Tarantino's work, it's uh it's more about how he takes that genre and and. Gives it his flair, um, yeah. You know, because I think I mean that's what he does. But yeah, I I I was purposely I was I was gonna choose. I was like looking at like, ooh, okay. there you go. I gave you your
0: your excuse.
2: You're, yeah, no, we're talking about it now, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I left him out of this for you. That's what I did for Easy. you, Jess. Really, really, I mean, solid choice there, because that's that's a. I mean, literally, I want to go back and watch. I, I want to go back and watch that movie. <laughs> so it's so fucking. It's actually probably a really good pandemic movie like that's just like a fun movie I oh mean, yeah that's a no
1: it's so like, like infinitely repeatable yeah yeah you can watch it over and the lovely thing is is that there are so many um twists and turns that you that you understand more and more every time yeah. you view it like well and they it really is something that is so
2: tightly wound. They do the brilliant, they also do the brilliant, you know, uh, thing that I think so many movies get wrong when they're doing a heist movie. The heist movie works on one principle, which is you set up the plan and then we see how that plan actually plays out. Right. And I think so many heist movies like try to get ahead of that or try to work around that. But that's, I mean, if you look at the mission impossible franchise, which is essentially all eight movies are heist movies in some way or another, Right. They at least have one sequence of trying to steal something from someone. That's the point. Right. Is when you we know what the rules are supposed to be. So when the rules go wrong, we can kind of have that tension for our characters. And that's that's one thing that Oceans does so well is those montages of just not only the gathering of the crew, but like setting up what is supposed to happen as opposed to what actually happened. And I actually the final thing I'll say about Oceans, I and uh, shoot me in the head for this. I think out of all three, Ocean's 13 is the best one. Really? I will shoot you in that. <laughs> that. yeah. It's because here's what I'll say. I, I mean, Ocean's 11 is obviously the original and it's amazing. And Ocean's 12 is great, but it, it just went off on like some weird avenues for me. But Ocean's 13, I think because of, you know, it was almost like Soderbergh looked at Ocean's 12 and was like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking with that. Let's get back to basics. And like gets you just right into the story right into the need to do the thing al pacino and ellen barker are fucking it's like it's fucking brilliant
0: it is good but i think the reason that i don't think it's as good is it felt like they looked back and said okay 11 was great 12 did not distill that same essence yeah uh let's figure out what actually worked about 11 and then they just did that to make like a nice uh, you know yeah conclusion basically yeah yeah but it's it's a nice capper it's
2: a nice capper to
0: that, yeah, to that yeah. story uh but
2: no but just what, what,
0: is it 12 or 13 where julia roberts plays somebody 12. who they say looks like julia roberts well like, that's for that's ridiculous that's that's what i that's, that was the yeah. stupidest thing i would ever seen in my life
2: it was like guys come on it was because again guys, the, the one uh, the beauty of it is like hanging out with your favorite celebrities but it's like it doesn't work if you actually yeah. reference <laughs> yourself like you can't right. reference yourself <laughs> Like yeah, man. But no, good, good choice, Jess. You did it.
0: Oh, thanks. Guys. How was your time on, glad on the podcast? Might. Have you enjoyed yourself?
1: You know, I came into it with a lot of um, fear and regret, and um, you know, general sadness and disgust. And and I'm leaving. I'm leaving without any. No, this was wonderful. This was really (laughs) nice to hang out with you guys.
0: We we appreciate you coming on
1: for a little. You guys know I love. Yeah, we got
2: we got to have you back. We got to have we got to have you back on the show at some point. So we'll figure it out.
1: I will, yeah. Do I would love to come back to the show, and I'm. This was actually not as bad as I thought because I was. I genuinely I think of all of the genres I might not know as much about crime, but um, let's do like rom coms next. I'm, you know what? i would actually I'm I will say this, that. Alex. Honestly, <laughs> and this
2: is just for future. I actually wouldn't be opposed to doing a rom com because I Sarah Sarah has shown me like. I let me tell you yeah. what I was not at all. What I was so I was shocked at. I fucking loved Crazy Stupid Love. I did not expect to like that
0: film. I Crazy Stupid Love is amazing. I was not. So aware. is Love and Other Drugs? Okay, yeah, I got both sh- those movies. I got to check them out. Incredible. Yeah, yeah,
2: they're good. So we can we can talk about that. But mm-hmm. Jess,
0: thank you. Uh, you know, good job. If you never came on, you know what that would be? What? A crime. Little justice. Little justice.